Welcome to the Core Principles Podcast. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you'll enjoy this lively discussion of relevant topics, which we attempt to examine through the lens of unchanging objective truth. Here is the host of the Core Principles Podcast, Clay Howerton. Thank you, Suzanne. Today on Core Principles, I am honored to welcome the founder and president of the Crime Prevention Research Center, Dr. John Lott. Dr. Lott is an economist as well as a world-recognized expert on crime, on guns, and public safety. He is the author of Gun Control Myths, How Politicians, the Media, and Botch Studies Have Twisted the Facts on Gun Control. Welcome to the program, John. How are you doing? Doing, doing great. Thanks very much for having me on. But today I want to talk with you about a fascinating bit of research you published recently in which you document violence and threatening actions related to the hot topic of abortion. But before we dive into that topic, I wonder if you would share with our listeners a little background about yourself and about the Crime Prevention Research Center. The Crime Prevention Research Center, we're a group of academics who do research on a wide variety of crime issues. I have a PhD in economics. I've taught at places like uh, University of Chicago, the Wharton Business School. I've had positions at Yale and Stanford. I was chief economist for the United States Sentencing Commission in Washington during the 80s, and I was more recently senior advisor for research and statistics at the U.S. Department of Justice. That's outstanding. Well, I'm I'm grateful that you lend your expertise to important topics like this uh, and that you're getting the word out. The article that we're going to be going over, you published at crimeresearch.org. Right. And this comes from the uh, 31st of October. Regarding these, these violence and the threats of violence related to the abortion debate, uh, you researched media reports about any such outrageous actions that were clearly about the abortion debate. And you narrowed the time that you searched from when the Dobbs decision was leaked, that was the 3rd of May of this year, and late September, the 24th of September of this year. It's just under five months worth of time. Would you summarize, Dr. John Lott, what uh, you found? There was a lot of news coverage this summer about uh, violence against pro-choice type organizations or individuals. We started off by just reaching out to the pro-choice organizations that were putting out press releases on it, wanting to get a list of their cases uh, that were there. They didn't respond. Well, they acknowledged that they had received our request, but they never uh, provided any list of cases. So then we reached out to the reporters who were had covered and written these things up, just to ask them if they had gotten a list uh, from the uh, organizations, and they said no. It's not clear that they had asked them for it. The U.S. Department of Justice has a list of cases that they've identified where there's been threats or uh, some type of property damage or violence against pro-choice individuals or organizations. We then decided to go and do a new search to see how many cases we could find on our own, but we wanted to have a contrast to see how many cases involved pro-life type individuals or organizations. What was surprising to me was while the news coverage has been on violence against uh, pro-choice, 
how many more cases there seem to be covered, at least in the local news, uh, of violence, uh, property damage against uh, pro-life individuals. So we found 135 news stories over those five months involving pro-life individuals or organizations. Uh, by contrast, there's even though the Department of Justice, for example, is keeping track of these instances involving pro-choice, uh, we, we were only able to find a total of six stories there. So that's over 22 times more instances against pro-life than there was against pro-choice. I was surprised by the magnitude there. What I will say is we're having to rely on media sources for the attacks on pro-life. And if there is a bias in terms of them not wanting to cover those types of cases, then the overall gap could be even larger than the 22 fold times that we found. People don't need to take my word for this. We, on the post on our website at crimeresearch.org that you mentioned, uh, we have it listed out there. We have all the cases and we have links to the underlying news stories so that people can go and check them out themselves. Now, right up front, I want listeners to know this fact that violence and threats and taking the law into one's own hands is wrong regardless of whatever side anyone is on any debate, any topic. There is no whataboutism going on here. We denounce criminality, vigilantism. But I suspect, Dr. John Lott, that uh, most listeners, if they're getting their information from the main media, would also be surprised, as you just mentioned, at the disparity. You said over 22 times more in the one direction. Would you consider then, I think I know the answer based on what you told me about relying on the media, that the list of these 135 attacks against pro-lifers and six attacks against pro-choicers, would that list be comprehensive, representative, or neither of those? Well, I mean, it's as comprehensive as we were able to get news stories. It depends on there being news stories. Is it possible we missed a couple of news stories in either category? I suppose that's possible. Uh, the fact that the Department of Justice has its own list indicates that at least they've been searching very diligently for these cases. Under uh, the Biden administration, they've gone back years now to go and find cases and, and file them. So I assume the Department of Justice has been fairly comprehensive. They seem to have a real mission there to do it. But, you know, it's possible that they've missed a case or two. Well, that means, listeners, as you've already picked up, crimeresearch.org is a great resource to study this uh, topic, particularly in other topics. Uh, really a valuable tool to conglomerate uh, these things that you wouldn't otherwise get. Now, in the reports that you highlight in your research article, I noticed a trend that I want briefly to highlight myself for the listeners. These are just a small sampling. I'm going to take excerpts from five headlines to highlight a trend. From Inglewood, Colorado on the 24th of September, Bella Health and Wellness, which is a pro-life health clinic, was vandalized with graffiti, including a reference to Satan and a stylized depiction of a devilish character. From Overland Park, Kansas on the 10th of July, the Church of the Ascension was vandalized with red spray paint 
and Statue of the Virgin Mary was defaced with red paint. From Hillsboro, North Carolina, on the 3rd of July, the Holy Family Catholic Church was vandalized. I can't say what the graffiti says because it is obscene, but basically, expletive deleted the church. Littleton, New Hampshire, 28 June, the Elevate Church was vandalized. They spray-painted, Fund Abortion and Abort God. And finally, in Long Beach, California, on the 16th of May, a woman entered his nesting place, which is a home for mothers and children. She yelled at the people who were there, and she ripped up a Bible and tried to throw a statue of a baby. And on and on it goes. Now, the obvious trend in these incidents, which don't include the things like firebombing, which did happen, uh, and don't include the attempted assassinations of Supreme Court justices who voted with the majority on Dobbs, which did happen. There is spiritual warfare happening here. So I wanted to ask you, Dr. John Lott, in your years of research on other elements of crime and public safety, is this particular topic unique in that, or are other issues similarly volatile to stir up such reactions? Well, I mean, there are lots of issues that stir up people's biases uh, with regard to crime. Uh, surely the gun control issue is, is one issue that falls into that. There's lots of issues with regard to policing uh, that fall into that. Uh, I mean, obviously, you've had the defund the police movement. You've had district attorneys who's, who don't believe you should be prosecuting violent criminals. One can go down the list of things that are ideological lightning rods there. And I think they've had real consequences for people's safety. Over the last couple of years, you've had liberal judges across the country that have, in many places, uh, released over half, in some places, two-thirds of the inmates from local jails. Those types of things, uh, you know, it's not surprising to me that you've seen a big increase in violent crime. Democrats have only partially walked back some of these policies. Uh, Biden has never criticized any of the district attorneys who are refusing to prosecute violent criminals. His main focus has been just on gun control. You know, I think most people would be surprised, for example, to know that over 92% of violent crime has nothing to do with guns. And yet that's what uh, his whole focus is on. And it's not just the fact that you have the Department of Justice focusing solely on violence against pro-choice and ignoring violence and property damage against pro-life organizations. You have the Biden administration putting its thumb heavily on the scale against gun ownership. Uh, there have been literally thousands of gun dealers that have been put out of business under his administration, under his so-called zero tolerance policy, where if uh, anyone uh, has a paperwork mistake and any of their paper or papers over the last 10 years or 15 years, no matter how trivial, no matter how inconsequential those mistakes are, they are put out of business. Obviously, the abortion issue is very sensitive, but uh, it's hardly unique in any way. Well, thank you. That's a really comprehensive answer. It opens a lot of doors to even other topics that uh, I recognize your expertise in. Abortion itself has become so common in America that in a single year, in a single county, specifically Los Angeles County in California, they saw the termination of over 110,000 lives. 
It's really big business for Planned Parenthood and their affiliates. I think, it's personal view, people who are willing to terminate children's lives might also be willing to do the kinds of things that your research has documented them doing. But in any criminal activity, I always consider the actual perpetrator the primary responsible party. However, you've mentioned, and I also was thinking about this, uh, preparing for this interview, that there are public officials sometimes making statements or even making policies that tend to motivate such misdeeds. For example, Joe Biden recently in his blood red speech painted all conservatives as the enemy. And then as a direct result, a guy drove his car into and murdered young Kaylor Ellison for being a Republican. Elizabeth Warren says that these pro-life pregnancy resource centers torture women. That's an actual quote that she said, and that all of these centers should be targeted to be shut down. So Dr. John Lott, do public officials bear any of the responsibility for the kinds of activities that you've documented? Well, I mean, you have crazy people out there that, you know, I'm not going to go and tell people not to engage in political debate because there's somebody out there who's going to take it to extremes. Obviously, political debate is extremely important. I may disagree with lots of people, but I'm not going to tell them that they can't go and say things. Uh, just because somebody criticizes somebody else doesn't justify a third party than engaging in violence. That said, you know, I think it's important that people be accurate about the types of claims that they make, just simply for their own reputations in the long run. Surely things like uh, President Biden's speech on Wednesday night about, um, you know, the threat to democracy and what have you, I think is way over the top. And I think it really does damage in other ways. Unfortunately, I think there are people who believe a president when he goes and says things like the very existence of democracies on the ballot. If you elect Republicans, then, you know, we're at risk of uh, democracy ending here in the country. That's crazy stuff as far as I'm concerned. You know, the irony is uh, Biden himself many times in the past, as well as other uh, prominent Democrats have called into question previous election outcomes. And as far as I know, nobody was out there, or no major Republican anyway, was out there going and saying that he was a threat to democracy. They may have, I'm surely said that he was wrong. But look, I mean, I've done a lot of work with regard to election issues. And, you know, I think the United States is very different from the rest of the world in terms of how we run our elections. Other countries are much more concerned and active in preventing vote fraud than we have here in the United States. We've done reports at the Crime Prevention Research Center that looks at the rules in other countries around the world. If you take Europe, for example, of the 47 countries in Europe, 46 and a half of them require government-issued photo IDs to be able to go and vote. If you look at absentee ballots, 35 of the countries ban absentee ballots for people living in the country. Another 10 allow absentee ballots, but require that you have to go in person to go and pick it up and show a government-issued ID when you pick it up. They will not send the absentee ballot in the mail for fear that the wrong person might obtain that ballot. You know, only two countries out of the 47 have rules that are even similar to what we have here in the United States. But, you know, uh, in Georgia, uh, you had boycotts and uh, 
you know, president calling it Jim Crow 2.0 when Georgia simply wanted to have people put the last four digits of their social security number on their absentee ballots. Every American has a social security number. It's not even like a driver's license number or something. And to go and say that somehow the requirement that you have to put the last four digits of your social security number down there is just is voter suppression uh, just seems a bit far. Or, you know, look at last year in Texas when you had Democrats walk out of the state house because of reforms that Texas wanted to pass. What got Democrats particularly upset was that Republicans wanted to have somebody watch uh, the ballot boxes that were out there. I can't find another country in the world that doesn't have strict chain of custody regulations with regard to ballot boxes. The notion that other countries would just go and leave ballot boxes out unattended is something that I don't think has crossed their minds because they have very strict chain of custody rules. As I say, I can't find another country that doesn't have strict chain of custody rules. You know, the notion that somehow uh, you're anti-democratic when you want to have a government-issued ID for people to vote or that you uh, want to have uh, chain of custody rules with regard to ballot boxes. If that's anti-democratic, then the entire world outside the United States is anti-democratic, at least on the last point. And, you know, Canada and Mexico require government-issued photo IDs. Mexico also uh, requires people's thumbprint. Are Mexico and Canada anti-democratic? Is France and Sweden uh, and Germany, are they anti-democratic? But, you know, if Biden really believes the rhetoric that he's putting out there, then uh, basically the entire world is anti-democratic outside the United States. Well, of course, I pray that no one will take Biden's words to heart and put action behind them to go after all of us who want uh, election integrity because we're enemies of democracy now. But I will point out uh, that just last week, Hillary Clinton said that not only did Donald Trump steal 2016, which she's always claimed, but Republicans are already in the process of stealing 2024 because we're trying to get uh, Republican-led and any state house have the state legislatures be in charge of their own state elections, which of course is the way that it is constitutionally mandated. But the, the kind of things, claims that there are concerns about election integrity are not unique to either side, of course. And your answer is very rich and detailed. Uh, I have talked about that topic a lot on this show, and uh, it does fascinate me. Well, I always like to look for hope and solutions. So I want to ask you finally, Dr. John Lott, what can you tell us about possible legal and proper courses of action that we might use to correct some of the problems, particularly we've been talking about these acts against pro-life organizations in particular. Are there things that we citizens can be doing that we're unaware of, that are legal, that are proper, that will help the situation? The basic issue is uh, fairness here. And if you want to also uh, discourage people from committing these types of crimes, you have to prosecute them. Department, U.S. Department of Justice under the Biden administration appears only interested in one side of this, unfortunately. And uh, 
you know, uh, you should go where the problem is on it. And if most of the attacks are involving pro-life, you would think that there should be prosecutions and efforts and collecting those cases also on the US DOJ website. It shouldn't just be one side there. And so um, my guess is people need to let their representatives uh, in Congress and the Senate know uh, that they want to have equal enforcement of, uh, of the rules there. You know, I, I assume there's certain legislators that are more sympathetic to having uh, an equal approach there than others would be. And uh, they should let them know or elect the people that they think, you know, do that. I mean, that's, that's up to them to make those decisions, how they want to go about doing that type of thing. Prosecutions can also occur at the local level. So if you're in a place where you can contact uh, the local district attorney when you see a news story on this type of thing and just let them know that you hope that I mean, district attorneys are elected. Just let them know that you think that even if this isn't going to be a federal prosecution uh, with the resources that are involved there, hopefully uh, local law enforcement uh, can step in and, and do its job there. Very wise counsel, and thank you very much for being my guest on Core Principles, Dr. John Lott. God bless you. Oh, thank you very much for having me on. Uh, in fact, I, just one last thing. I would go and argue that a lot of these things probably are best handled at the local level, but uh, you know that's, that's a decision people have to make. So anyway, but people can find everything we've been talking about at our website at crimeresearch.org, crimeresearch.org. Thank you. Thank you. Core Principles Podcast is produced in Paducah, Kentucky by Real Productions. Music is by Late July, L-E-I-G-H-T July. You can find our music on all streaming services or at latejuly.com. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of the Core Principles Podcast. Please visit core.buzzsprout.com for more information. And please share with your friends. We look forward to visiting with you again on our next episode.